Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Good morning, everyone. And a big welcome to you today. A special welcome to you if you're new or if you're visiting us, you're with us for the first time. It's uh, great to have you with us today and uh, we're looking forward to getting to know you a bit better um, uh, during this morning. And a uh, very warm welcome to you if you're watching us on the live stream. Uh, no matter where you are and how you're watching, it's great to have you with us. Uh, I know that some of you are unwell at the moment and um, we're just grateful that you can join us uh, via this uh, uh, live streaming today and we pray that it'll be a helpful and encouraging time for you as you join with us all and uh, let's now bow in prayer as we come to think uh, about God's word. Father we want to thank you for um, uh, your word that it is so clear and so sharp uh, that it uh, penetrates our minds and our hearts. Father we thank you for your spirit that uh, enlivens your word uh, and who enlivens us, uh, that we would be people who um, are, are reformed, reshaped by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, for these things we pray in his name uh, now. Amen. You know, every so often a, a topic uh, begins to trend uh, amongst Christian circles, uh, perhaps uh, on an aspect of the Christian life which uh, people start talking about, start reading about, start hearing about, and, uh, and kind of get on board with, at least for a little while. I think one of those topics uh, uh, trending at this time would be that of uh, spiritual formation. Now, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Because as Christians, we should all want to be uh, formed spiritually rather than being formed unspiritually. It sounds good. And uh, one of the... Um, uh, Bible verses, which is kind of like a little bit of a launching pad uh, for uh, teaching on spiritual formation, uh, comes from this letter that Paul wrote, uh, which we call Galatians. Uh, listen, uh, if you will, to the uh, words uh, that are written in Galatians chapter 4, uh, where Paul says, My dear children, 
for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. How about that? Uh, did you hear something in that of Paul's concern for the Galatians? Um, he is in pain for them. He is perplexed by them and his great desire is that Christ should be formed in them. Which I guess is what spiritual formation is all about, isn't it? For Christ to be formed in us so that we are transformed to be more like him. Uh, although uh, it's a great verse, um, but, but a verse which I think can be misused, a, a verse which uh, can be used sort of like as a biblical launching pad uh, which can actually move people off into a, a different form of spirituality, into a more uh, mystical form of spirituality, and uh, which of course can... Uh, seem very attractive to some people. But what did Paul mean that Christ should be formed in them and therefore in us? Well, I guess the place to find out would be the book of Galatians itself, uh, which as we uh, unpack over the next um, couple of months or so, uh, we're going to be learning more about what it means to be uh, for, for Christ to be formed in us in our love for God, uh, in the way that we live, and in our future eternity. So, uh, where do we start? Well, I think uh, start with the question of who were the Galatians? Uh, you know, in the first century, uh, Galatia was uh, a region uh, which, which covered much of modern-day Turkey. There is a map there for you in your service outlines. Uh, the, um, the northern part of Galatia was a region which was inhabited by people who were Galatians. How about that? Um, they were actually ethnically Galatians uh, and uh, the Galatians were in fact a Celtic race. Uh, you see the Celts of, uh, of Central Europe, they didn't just migrate uh, westward to, uh, to what we call France and to, and to, uh, and to Britain, uh, they also migrated eastward uh, to modern-day Turkey. So that's um, northern Galatia. Um, it's inhabited by people of this Celtic race, uh, the Galatians. But the southern part of Galatia was actually added to Galatia by the Romans uh, in order to form a, an administrative province of Galatia. And uh, that southern part of uh, the province of Galatia was more... Um, was not um, <clears throat> racially Galatian, it was more uh, ethnically diverse with uh, uh, Greek-speaking people, with Romans, with uh, even Jews. It was an ethnically diverse population. And it's possible that Paul may have uh, evangelised the ethnically Galatian people of northern Galatia. He may have planted churches there, but we just don't have any record of that. Uh, what we do have record of uh, is in Acts chapters 13 and 14, uh, we know that Paul uh, in his first missionary journey, followed up in his second missionary journey and in his third missionary journey, that Paul uh, preached the gospel in the cities 
of uh, southern Galatia. And when he did that, um, there were many people who believed in Jesus and churches were established. And so it's likely that it is to those uh, churches in southern Galatia uh, that they are the ones uh, whom Paul greets in this letter. You know, uh, greetings in letters, I think they're getting shorter and shorter all the time, don't you? Um, I mean, um, you know, when I write a letter, I might write the letter by saying, you know, by saying, uh, dear so-and-so, sorry it's been such a long time since I got back to you, Um, I hope you're doing well, and then I get down to the business. Although with text messages, it's just down to the business, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, no, hello, you know, no dear, no. And isn't it frustrating when you actually don't have the name of the person in your phone address book and you're thinking to yourself, who is this person? <laughs> Why do they want to go and have coffee with me? <laughs> and that's the way it is. Um, but Paul uh, followed the conventions of his time in the first century, but he also added and modified that con- those conventions So that he would normally start a letter by saying, first of all, who he is, and secondly, who they are, so they don't have to get to the end of the letter. And uh, then he would express a blessing upon them, and then he would tell them about his prayers for them, what he's thankful to God for them about, what he's been praying for them about, and only then would he get down to the business. But if you open up your Bibles at Galatians chapter 1, And check out the uh, opening of this letter. It's not exactly like that. He follows the customs to some extent, but then he diverts. Let me read to you verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. Now here you can see that he expands on the greeting, doesn't he? Because he, he, he emphasises who he is. Paul, an apostle. Now the word apostle uh, means someone who has been sent by another with a message. Um, Paul's message uh, was the gospel. And he makes the point here that This is not a message which has been handed to him by some group of men, uh, perhaps a group of church leaders. Uh, He makes the point that it's not that he's been authorised by a particular senior person, by any particular man, uh, and that's important because who was it who gave Paul this message and sent him? Well, it came directly... Uh, from the Lord Jesus and from God the Father who raised him from the dead. And in that sense, Paul is, well, Paul's different to us, isn't he? I mean, when, uh, when people believe in Jesus, it's, it's normally because somebody shared the gospel with them, uh, even uh, by, by what they've said to them or, uh, or by what they've written, but someone transmits that message to the person who then believes the message and puts their trust in Jesus. But nobody 
nobody shared the gospel with Paul. Uh, instead, God, uh, God revealed the gospel to him directly <clears throat> on the road to Damascus when he met the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and presumably when after that he spent some time in Arabia. And Paul uh, went about preaching the gospel. He didn't even, as we'll see next week, didn't even go and talk to the church leaders uh, about their gospel. He, he taught the gospel, he preached the gospel, and he was confident that because the gospel was revealed directly to him by the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, that his gospel was correct that it was the true gospel. And it's a gospel of both, um, of grace, isn't it? Uh, it's a gospel of grace, a gospel of grace and peace. And see the, uh, the blessing that Paul uh, wants for these Galatian Christians in verse 3. He says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, there are two words which uh, in that uh, blessing stand out for me. Um, the words grace and the words rescue. What about you? Have you ever found yourself being rescued from a very difficult situation? Uh, that you were in a predicament, that you were in a, in a situation where there was absolutely nothing you could do to save yourself. And when you're in that situation, what do you need? You need someone to rescue you, don't you? You may know what that's like. I've not had many of those situations, but I do remember as a teenager uh, getting caught in a rip at Manly Beach one day. I wondered why no one else was swimming at that part of the beach. <laughs> and uh, I was caught in this rip and I was being dragged out and I didn't know what to do to save my, I couldn't save myself. Uh, thankfully, uh, the friend I was with, he did know what to do and it was he who was able to help me out of that rip. And when, uh, when we got back onto the beach, onto the sand, I thanked him for rescuing me, although I might have said to him that um, he actually owed it to me because of all of the good things that I had done for him in the past. But imagine if the person who rescued me was not my friend, was not someone who owed me anything. Imagine if it was someone, not even a stranger, imagine if it was someone who uh, I'd actually... Um, considered to be a, an enemy, someone who I'd treated badly and yet they were prepared to risk themselves to rescue me. That's what we call grace, isn't it? Because grace means uh, undeserved favour. You do something good to someone which they do not deserve. In fact, they may deserve the opposite. That's grace. And that is what Jesus has done for us. That when he gave himself for our sins, as Paul says, so as to rescue us from the present evil age. 
It's a rescue operation, and it's purely from grace. Did we deserve Jesus to rescue us? No, for he rescued us from our sins. It's pure grace. Do you know, in Acts chapter 13, when uh, Paul preached the gospel in the uh, Galatian city of uh, Antioch, uh, the Jews in, in, in Antioch, they rejected his message. But when the, the Gentiles heard of what Jesus had done for them, their response was great. Um, Luke tells us that they were glad Luke tells us that they, they honoured God's word. <clears throat> Luke tells us that they believed God's word and they spread God's word throughout the whole region. And he tells us that these Galatians, these Gentile Galatians, having heard of what Jesus had done for them, that they were filled with joy and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great news? And yet as Paul begins this letter, uh, he skips normal convention of telling them about his prayers for them and he gets straight to business. Check out verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What is going on? What is going on? I mean, they started so well, but now they are so, they are, they're confused and now they're actually turning to a different gospel. Um, Sometimes I feel a little bit uh, astonished in ministry. Uh, I remember uh, <clears throat> many years ago talking to a man who was a churchgoer here. He'd, he had been the secretary of the committee of management. Uh, I didn't think that he was a Christian. And uh, he re in rejecting Jesus, um, I'll never forget this, he told me, I would rather pay for my sins myself than to have Jesus pay for my sins. That would be the right thing to do. <laughs> he didn't understand sin, did he? Nor did he understand judgment. But I was astonished, even though I, I really didn't think that he was a Christian. But imagine if someone um, did believe the gospel. Imagine if someone had actually uh, grasped uh, the rescue operation that Jesus had done for them. Imagine that they had come to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and that they were uh, filled with joy and gratitude for what he'd done for them and yet they drifted into thinking that what they needed was Jesus plus. Uh, faith in Jesus, yes, but plus they needed to do something themselves to contribute to their own salvation. And they thought this because there were others who were teaching it to them. Do you think that could happen? Um, could it happen here? Sure it could. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, 
I, a local church leader once told me that there were people in his congregation who didn't think that I was a Christian because although I believed in Jesus that I didn't actually obey certain food laws um, uh, and other laws of the Old Testament. Um, there, are people, there are people who say that in order to be saved you must believe in Jesus plus you must also uh, perform a certain uh, you know, various religious uh, ceremonies and rituals. Um, believing in Jesus, plus you must be baptised. Not, not being baptised because out of response to what Jesus has done, but being baptised in order to contribute to your salvation. In verse 6, Paul is astonished at the uh, rapidity, at the, at the speed uh, in which these Galatian Christians have fallen for something like that. Because there were those who were perverting the gospel who had come amongst them uh, with a message which said, you believe in, you trust in Jesus? Great. That's fantastic. But if you want to be fully accepted by God, a real proper Christian, then uh, you have to become uh, like a Jew and you have to start obeying the Old Testament laws like circumcision like the food laws, which we'll find out more about as we get further into Galatians. See, <clears throat> the most dangerous wolves uh, are the ones that wear sheep's clothing. They come from within our ranks. And uh, they, may, um, they may tell us uh, a lot of truth about God. Uh, in fact, 99% of what they teach about God may be absolutely biblical, but if in that 1% they actually change the way that we are saved, then that's a false gospel. And they lead us away from God. Which is why uh, Paul um, issues uh, what is really an incredibly strong uh, warning uh, in verse 8, uh, where he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, cursed by God. Now, imagine, you know, when this is being written, maybe Paul's dictating it, he's got someone else writing it down, and that gets written down and he says, oh, hang on a minute, second thoughts about that. Can we just rub that out? I might just write that again. You know, just use some softer language there and uh, I don't want to be so... No, that's not what happened. In fact, uh, Paul doubles down. Um, in fact, if, if, it's, if it's not clear, uh, he says in verse 9, as I've said before, you know, let me just say it again, just so it's crystal clear... If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. <sighs> Sound a bit intolerant? I mean, you know, what does it really matter um, if someone believes that, you know, they have to do something extra uh, other than just trusting in what Jesus has done on the cross? I mean, you know, it's all the same, isn't it? Well, no. No, it's not because uh, it says that, <clears throat> that what Jesus did on the cross 
is actually not enough. It's not enough. That we need to add to the cross by obeying the Old Testament law. And in that, we're not really trusting in Jesus. We're trusting in ourselves. Obeying the Old Testament law, the very thing that we are not capable of doing because of our sin and the very reason why Jesus had to die on the cross. Now, of course, one of the great things about Paul's ministry, and he's a terrific example to us in this, was his flexibility. Uh, You know, uh, his flexibility in terms of putting aside his own personal interests and his own personal culture uh, in order to um, connect with people that he was reaching out to. Uh, And so if if Paul uh, wanted to reach Jews with the gospel, then he would actually obey the Old Testament laws uh, so as to not create any offence, so that they would actually listen to what he has to say about Jesus. (laughs) But he wouldn't do that if he was trying to reach out to Gentiles. If he was trying to obey all of the Old Testament laws when he was reaching out to Gentiles, then he wouldn't even be able to sit with them and, and, and enjoy a meal with them. And so to the Jews, he became a Jew to win the Jews. To the Greeks, he became a Greek to win the Greeks. He says uh, in in 1 Corinthians, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And that's a great uh, model for us in our ministry uh, that we actually need uh, to put aside our own interests, step outside of our own comfort zone, to, uh, to enter into the world of the people that we're trying to reach so that we can win the right for them to listen to us about Jesus. But it seems that the false teachers were actually using this against Paul, um, <clears throat> perhaps saying, well, you can't trust Paul. I mean, he just wants to be popular. <laughs> He wants to be popular with the Jews, so when he's with the Jews, he pretends to be like a Jew. He wants to be popular with the Greeks, so when he's with the Greeks, he pretends to be like a Greek. He's just into, well, he's a man-pleaser. That's all he is. Well, check out Paul's response in verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, does a man-pleaser draw a line in the sand and say that if anyone preaches a gospel other than this gospel, may that person be eternally condemned? Uh, Is that what a man-pleaser does? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, these days, if you want to be popular, well, what do you do? You tell people that they can believe about God whatever they want to believe about God. Whatever you think God is like, that's good for you. Whatever I think of what God is like, that's good for me. It really doesn't matter. There's no absolute truth so long as it satisfies you and makes you feel happy. And don't quibble about small doctrinal matters like how a person gets right with God. (laughs) Don't quibble about those things. Friends, if like Paul we want to be servants of Christ then we need to draw lines in the sand, don't we? And we need to be clear about the gospel. Um, A man I knew 
um, had been going to church all of his life. Uh, and he was actually an elder in his church. But it was a church where over the decades he had been taught that the reason Jesus died was to be a sacrificial example to us um, so that, um, uh, so that uh, we would be motivated uh, to try to be better people uh, in the hope that we might make it into heaven. Um, <clears throat> that's actually not an uncommon view, uh, particularly in Presbyterian churches in the uh, latter part of the 20th century. But when this man grasped that Jesus died not to motivate us, but to rescue us, that was liberating. It changed everything for him, as it always does, from the inside. For as we experience uh, God's gracious forgiveness of sin, then Christ is truly formed in us so that we are transformed to be more like Jesus in our love for God, in the way we live and in our eternal future so that we become people like uh, how Paul expresses it when we get to the very end of Galatians. We are people who are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's spiritual formation, which begins with that great rescue operation that Jesus gave himself for our sins. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we want to thank you for uh, your incredible grace in sending the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we recognise that uh, in our sinfulness that we can uh, sometimes, in our pride, we can sometimes actually want to contribute something to our own salvation. Father, humble us. Help us to understand the nature of our sin. And Father, help us to uh, keep on firmly grasping uh, the rescue operation nature of the gospel. And may we be people who are discerning. Uh, may we be people who are prepared to draw that line in the sand and declare faithfully and truthfully uh, the, uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.